The Ponch Stevenson Show. PonchStevenson.com. Episode 205. Sunday, October 28th, 2012. This is the Paunch Stevenson Show, paunchstevenson.com, episode 205. Yes. Coming up on the uh, seventh anniversary? Seven years. So, um, I'm Rob, you are Greg, yeah. and we are once again in the echo chamber, as we've been the past several episodes, and... Um, you know how we talked about, um, was, it, was it episode 202, we talked about Nintendo Power, yeah. um, calling it quits? Yep. Was it 202? Yeah. So, you've probably seen this, but do you remember in the old Nintendo Powers, Howard Phillips? Yeah, I, uh, yeah Howard Phillips. The, he was like the head of Nintendo in, he was the, in the United States, at least. Well, he was, yeah, he was one of the, the whatever. So, he, um, he, he was the game master. Yeah. <laughs> the self-proclaimed game master. Well, anyway, he left Nintendo of America in the early 1990s. He went on to work at various uh, video game companies. Well, now, in the year 2012, he has a Kickstarter. I saw that. And he's developing a video game called Know-It-All. Oh, boy. Yeah. And, it's, and he came up with this, this method of, of um, learning things. Oh, right, that, right. You know, it's like he invented this method where it's like you can, you know, learn a language or math or pretty much anything... And he's looking for funding to get uh, an iOS game and an Android game, and and you know if he gets enough funding, even console versions or you know like 3DS or whatever. So he's he's still around. Howard yeah. Phillips, he's still going. Howard Phillips, know it all. I give him credit. Um, I know like David Crane tried to do a Kickstarter. You know he was the well. Activision guy who invented Pitfall, and he was trying to do some of this like jungle adventure like. You know, new kind of first-person game, and he wanted nine hundred thousand yeah. dollars. Well, that was the problem. <laughs> Howard Phillips wants what, like thirty grand? This guy wanted like a million. Well, the thing is, he was trying to make it like realistically. That's probably what it was going to cost to develop what? the game. A yeah. million dollars? Yes. It's to like develop a, an iOS game. No, it was not going to be an iOS game. It was going to be like a full-fledged kind uh, of game. I don't know about that. I'm just saying. Well, he didn't get anywhere close. I'm just no. Nor should he have. Well, I mean, it wasn't just that, but it was like what he was offering just wasn't enticing enough. No. You know, there just just wasn't. Well, plus, but, I mean, f from maybe he updated his Kickstarter page, but from the time that I read David Crane's Kickstarter page, he, he just didn't. All he had was this general concept of. Well, you're going to be a guy running through a jungle. Yeah. Give me a million dollars. It's like, well, you, you know, you don't have any sketches. You don't have any mock-ups. You don't have any... Like a, no, I think he did. Not when I saw it. No. I think he added some stuff later on, but it just... I think he had to. I think it would have been fine. It's it just it was a totally unrealistic number. Completely now, unrealistic. Now, let's remind the audience... 
Yes, David Crane developed Pitfall and Pitfall 2. And many other games. He also developed Ghostbusters uh, and the Commodore 64 Transformers game. Yeah, but So let's not worship David Crane Yeah, but that, I mean, what did he have to work with with those systems to, to come up with well, games that were that, that kind His of Ghostbusters game. How do you make Pitfall one of the best video games of all time and then Ghostbusters <laughs> one of the worst video games of all time? He did some other ones that were just that were bad too. But. Yeah, so let's, you know... Let's let's get some pers- some David Crane perspective yeah, yeah. here. I don't want to bash the guy. He was a, you know it's like a video game legend. I'm not bashing him. I'm just saying a million dollars for someone yeah. whose career has been hit or miss. Didn't he? Yeah. Did, was he? Did he do a boy in his blob? Was that him? I think he. I don't know. Maybe I think he that did. was him. Yeah, something like that. He did some. He did a bunch of NES games that weren't exactly good. <laughs> no. Anyway. Oh well. Um, Listen, we would love to talk to David Crane and get him on the show. And I, I like David Crane, but I'm yeah. just saying, with that kind of track record, to ask for a million dollars, it's like, it's, uh, it, we it, could get the next Pitfall, we could get the next Ghostbusters. Yeah, I mean, it's not realistic. Now, speaking of, uh, for when you said that, for some reason, that because I have this written down, the name David Blaine... <laughs> what? Well, so David Blaine, his latest nonsense was... Is he doing a Kickstarter? No, his latest nonsense was that he was apparently going to be electrocuting himself for like a 10 days or something. Oh, good. <laughs> like zapping himself with electricity. I don't even know what happened. But, you know, David like... It, and, and, Is he still a thing? Shut up. Idiot. I didn't realize he was still around. Didn't he bury himself in a coffin or something? Yeah, like man, man. Within the ice. Welcome to the party, even in show. Let's go back to that. Alright, so we are here with special guest. Photographer Matt Lambros, welcome to the Paunch Stevenson Show. Hi, thanks for having me. So, how long have you been a photographer, and where do you do most of your photography? I guess where where do you live? Where are you located? I live in Brooklyn, and I do most of my photography on the East Coast. But I have been started. I've started to branch out. I've been doing some studies in the Midwest. Uh, I mostly photograph abandoned theaters. Now, how long have you been doing that, and how did you get started specializing in that? Well, uh, when I was very young, uh, my my grandmother used to take me into abandoned barns, and that kind of, I guess, stuck with me and got me uh, very curious about things that were left behind. And uh, I went to college. I... Was in a, I was right near uh, Danvers, Massachusetts, and there was an abandoned asylum there, and I started going. Like I, I guess I met up with a bunch of people, and we would go into and, and hang out there, pretty much. And then I just started photographing them, and it kind of fell uh, into place. I did some research on the histories of the hospitals throughout the years, and it was very, very depressing. And I really liked 
photographing abandoned buildings, but I wanted to find something that wasn't so sad. And I moved to Brooklyn after I graduated from college, and I discovered a theater that had been abandoned since the 70s called Los Kings Theater. And I researched on that and found out, you know, obviously a theater is a very um, happy place. People want to have fun. People want to enjoy themselves. They didn't, you know, they weren't committed and weren't uh, treated horribly at these places, hopefully. And I just kind of, I guess for lack of a better word, fell in love with the, uh, the architecture of these places. And I've been doing it for about three years now. Oh, interesting. Do you have a particular setup or, or a, a, a favorite camera equipment that you use? I use a, a 5D Mark II um, as Canon, and I have a 17-40 um, a lens and a 17 uh, tilt-shift lens, which allows me to get really wide uh, shots so I can get the entire auditorium in which I think is important. Um, I use a variety of handheld lights. Uh, I have a, a just a Canon flash and a wireless system so I can take some wireless shots. And I have a, a $25 lantern from Home Depot that I use to uh, LED lantern that helps to light these shots. Um, a lot of times, I'll, if I can open a fire escape door, that helps a lot. And, you know, more often than not, there are actually power and construction lights that help to light places. Cool. And uh, just tell our listeners what your website is, where they can see your photography. My uh, website is afterthefinalcurtain.net. Um, it's uh, sort of a photo essay blog with a brief history of each place that I've been. And I update it about once every two weeks. So afterthefinalcurtain.net. And it's very interesting because... Um, I used to live, I don't know if you've ever been to this theater, but I used to live pretty much almost right behind the Lowe's Jersey Theater in Jersey City, New Jersey. And um, that has been restored over the past several years, and, and now it's a functional movie theater. It's been restored by volunteers, but on your website, after the final net, you have uh, uh, photos of a lot of theaters that um, have not been restored and, and they're in uh, complete disrepair and it's just it's, it's it's kind of sad and interesting at the same time yeah that was a, a big part of why I wanted to do this, the site um, I, I really felt like a lot of people had no idea that these buildings still existed like uh, per, me personally I didn't know that movie theaters looked like this I thought, you know, growing up in the 80s and 90s, I thought movie theaters were, you know, just a black box, basically. The only thing interesting was the screen. And when I moved to New York, I started going to, like, the cinemas and just was, like, astounded by the chandelier in the theater itself. And that helped to lead to the research on finding out about the Kings, which will, the Kings is actually a sister theater to the Lowe's Jersey. There were um, there five, and they were called the Lowe's Wonder Theaters. Yes. Yeah. It, well, like you, I, you know, Greg and I grew up in the 1980s, 1990s, and, and we thought the exact same thing. You go to the movies, it's, uh, it's just very like, 
I don't know what the word is, sterile or it's, you know, you, you go to see the movie. Like I, I would go to see the movie, but then the very first time I stepped into the um, Lowe's Jersey Theater, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I could not, it was the most incredible thing. Like, it was just so ornate and, and, and so much attention to detail. It was a really beautiful place. And, and not only that, but our like childhood theater was actually pretty old. I think they've built it in the, like, the 30s. And there was, it actually was a one auditorium theater. It wasn't that big, but you know, as when we were kids, they had walled it off so that it was three different, you know, screens, and we, you know, you never, we never got the full experience. What, what theater was that? Uh, it was called the, uh, I think it's called the Franklin. It was in Nutley, New Jersey, on Franklin Avenue. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's gone now. They closed it about ten years ago or so. Okay. Yeah, so, I, I, a couple they walled off, and the original like details they just they just kind of set up walls and left the original details behind them. It's, it's pretty interesting, right? Well, that's what they did with the Lowe's Jersey in, in Journal Square. They had cordoned it off into separate, uh, I think, like two different theaters or something, or three different theaters. But yes, they left everything you know around it intact. Now, Matt, how many theaters would you say you've visited and photographed in the past three years? 41. Wow. <laughs> now, what I was going to ask you about that was I went, I went through your, your blog there, and it, I, what I can't believe is how many of them are in, like, New York City and in the tri-state area, which is amazing. You know, you'd figure they'd all have been, you know, knocked down by now. A lot of the ones in New York City, uh, or not New York City, and in like like Jersey, and um, what they'll do is they'll use the lobby. They'll convert the lobby into like like let's say there's two in Newark. One the lobby is a shoe store. The other it was an Army Navy place, and now I don't even know what it is. But they just put a put cinder walls up and just ignore the auditorium section and just pretend it's not there. Ah. And which yeah, it was kind of ridiculous, especially considering the like the real estate in New York City. You know, you, you'd think that that would be such valuable space that they could want to put like apartments or condos or something there. Yeah, and, and even I think a lot of them uh, now they're they're also leased out by like churches, like churches use them in the auditoriums and all. Yeah, uh, churches do the same things. If they, they have a large congregation, they'll they'll uh, take over the whole place. And that's actually one of the best things that can happen to these buildings is if the church takes it over and they have a big enough congregation to fill the auditorium, great. They keep them in amazing shape. Um, there's actually one, the I think it's the, the Stanley Theater. Um, I might be remembering the name. It's right on the street from the, uh, the Lowe's Jersey. Right, yes. And it's in amazing shape. That's, I think the Jehovah's Witnesses took that one. Yes. Over. Yeah. But sometimes when churches have small, smaller congregations, they only take over like, a small part and they just take a lobby of the theater and leave the auditorium. And it's, like, there's a few that I've been to where the auditorium's in shape. Uh, well, Matt, um, I was going to say in. Well, um, oh, oh, and so these ones in New York City that you go to that. 
the lobby has been converted into some kind of store or, or whatever. And there's this abandoned, old, condemned uh, auditorium behind it. How do you get access to that? Uh, a lot of phone calls. <laughs> I, if, if, if I, I, I try to be very, very persistent and um, just call until I can't call anymore uh, until they just basically say no. <laughs> quite a few where I've been told, no, leave us alone, don't call again. That stinks. Well, and well, the other thing I was going to ask was uh, some of these places are, are are basically like junk heaps. I mean, uh, you have to go in there with a gas mask. I have I have a um, a respirator. It's uh, rated for asbestos. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. You have. Oh, I mean, you, you you saw the pictures. The ceilings know, are but... falling apart on these wow, things. Wow. No, I'm just surprised. Wow. And, yeah. And yeah. back then they built them with asbestos. Wow. Yeah, that's true. Yep. And I have uh, I have uh, insurance, so in case anything happens to me, uh, the you know the people uh, like it's photography insurance basically. Ah. It co- covers me if anything happens, and can cover the buildings up to a certain point if whatever happens. Uh, I didn't even know that existed. Uh, so if like if you trip on something and set the building on fire, you're covered. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and, and you know more often than not that helps a lot that I can tell. The owners of the buildings, like, listen, if anything happens, it's covered. Mm. So, because a lot of times they're very, I've had to sign waivers saying, you know, I'm not going to sue you if I fall to the floor. You know, just <laughs> yeah. photograph it. So, Matt, out of the 41 theaters that you've been to all over the United States, um, roughly how many would you say are either like still functional or have been restored and are functional versus are just uh, a wreck? Well, out of the ones that I've been to, yeah. uh, probably like maybe, maybe 10 or so are, the, are, are going to be restored or have like a, a plan to be restored um, sometime in the next like 10 years. Hmm. That's cool. Well, I mean, you know, unfortunately, it's it's becomes a nonprofit, and because you can't really, I mean, there's no movie company that's going to restore any of these things. True. No, they're actually they're not allowed to. That's that's why a lot of them went under. Wait, why not? Uh, there was a there, well, movie company, uh, movie studios can't own uh, theaters. It was uh, there was an antitrust act in the late '40s that prevented because that's what it used to be like. Um, Lowe's, uh, Lowe's Corporation owned MGM. That right. was their studio. So anytime an MGM movie played, it played in the Lowe's cinema. And after the Antitrust Act, they had to break up and to form two separate companies. Oh. And so movies could play anywhere. So the movie theaters weren't like a destination location you could go see, yeah. like a, a movie, like an MGM movie at any theater. Um, so that's why they started multiplexing. And dividing these giant spaces up mm. because they're getting the audiences, so they needed to show more than one movie at a time. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm definitely one of the actually how I how I found uh, Matt's site was I was uh, googling through, you know, like the Lowe's jersey. You know, they, I was looking at their schedule, what they had coming up, and then 
Somehow, you know, I did know about the Wonder Theaters, the five of them, and I kind of knew that they're restoring the one in Brooklyn. I think it's going to take a couple more years. Yeah. Yeah, and so I just, you know, one Google to the next come, come up to your page. And, you know, I, I'd love to see more of these get restored because, you know, now, even in Manhattan, you know, if you want to see a, an actual movie, not necessarily a concert, in, in this kind of setting especially like older prints, you're kind of limited to, what's that, landmark theater place in Tribeca, which is little screens. It's not, it's not a big screen. The Middle East, if you see, if you see a movie there in the main theater, that, that is a large uh, movie theater. In which one? The Village East Cinemas. Village East, it's called? Yeah. Huh. All right, well... well that's a big one, but uh, I don't really think there are. I mean, I don't know about you, Matt, but to me, like I said, especially since I've lived so close to the, the the Lowe's Jersey, you know, instead of paying like $12 to go to see some junky new movie, I loved being able to go to this beautiful, restored 1929 theater, pay six bucks for a ticket, and go and see... A, a, a top-rated old classic movie on the big screen, and even with the silent movies, they they had restored the organ, so there was a live organist, you know, and and it it just felt like a really special experience as opposed to going to the local, uh, you know, Clifton Commons, yeah, yeah, the AMC, AMC, or it just felt really special. And like Greg said, I I, I just wish that everybody could experience this. Oh, I agree completely. It, it is, it's very, very different. And like, I just, um, I always find myself like admiring the details from, it kind of distracts a little from the movie, but still that, that that's, I'm fine with that. Um, but Villages does do old movies now and then, not very often. They're usually just like, you know, the kind of more independent, uh, movies from this, like this era. But yeah, I would love to see, uh, places more old movies setting that they now one of some of the pictures I saw uh, it looks like you went to Chicago and they had a, several theaters that are restored or still like in you know good condition and they were like really impressive it was one where the lobby the lobby the actual like you know art deco in the lobby made it look like some like a Spanish village or something like that um, well there's the the Avalon Theater, which was the, it was a um, inspired like the ceiling of the lobby was supposed to be was called the world's uh, largest magic carpet, and the um, the whole theater itself was uh, inspired by a a lamp that John Eberson found in a flea market in New Orleans. Wow. <laughs> so he designed the whole theater around that, and it was a it's an atmospheric theater. And what an atmospheric theater is is that the the auditorium looks like a, a basically looks like a village that or an out, outdoor setting. The sky, the ceiling is painted blue, and there's LED lights or not LED lights, but there's lights in the ceiling, and they would come on during intermission. And they would have projectors that would project clouds across the ceiling. That's so it looked cool. like you were sitting wow. outside at night. That is cool. Yeah, there's, there's, uh, 
there's a couple of them. Uh, there's one or two, two that I've done in New York City, the, the Lowe's 46th Street and the um, RKO Keith's in Flushing, Queens. We're just browsing your site. Yeah. I uh, wonder why, um, like I said, I, I love being able to go to the theater and, you know, pay like six or seven dollars and see an old classic movie. And I wonder why theater, there, there's such, like a, a, a gigantic back catalog of amazing classic movies and like how come theaters don't show classic movies i mean like once in a while it's like hey here's one special screening of back to the future it's like back to the future should be in the movies constantly (laughs) they have to rent the prints from the studios and that costs money yeah and they have to now that everything's becoming digital Movie studios are actually throwing away the old prints and converting it all to digital because oh. it takes less space. And so a lot of these old theaters can't afford to buy the digital projectors. And there's been, a, if you look online, there's been a lot of, a lot of places going to Kickstarter and trying to get, um, get funding from like the community to try to pay for their digital uh, projectors so that they can show current and old movies. Mm. Interesting. Well, I didn't know all the. Uh... So wait, so so the the giant movie studios are digitizing all of their old film reels. Well, they they been doing that. And it's nothing. Yeah, that. But but they're throwing out the film reels. That's my understanding. Yeah. That's that's not good. Well, that's what, this, what happens when the hard drive goes bad. That's what George Lucas said. Remember, he said he threw away yeah. the Star Wars prints, so he can't use them again. <laughs> Let him not use them again, please. <laughs> True. Um, so one thing I was going to ask was, um, you you have this blog now, and um, two questions. One, do you? These are all theaters, and you were saying something like you had gone, you know, and you got started because you went into an old abandoned uh, uh, mental asylum. Um, are you looking to photograph other buildings besides theaters now? Um, I haven't really looked past theaters right now. It's it's going to take me a while to, I think, get to a point where I say, okay, I'm done with theaters. There's just I have I have pretty much every state mapped out. <laughs> wow, with a couple in each at at least. Uh, so once I'm done with that, uh, I'll look maybe to other buildings. I did have an idea about doing some old breweries, but that's, you know, far off. Well, some, some old arcades. <laughs> they don't exist. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I don't think those are left. No. So, so Matt, so you are the, the old movie theater guy, like, like you, you're it, right? Or are there other people out there who are doing this too? There are other people who are doing similar things. Uh, there, I know there's two guys from France who are doing something like this. And um, there's a woman doing something, but she's just taking pictures of stages, not theaters. Mm-hmm. Like any building has a stage, I think. Now... I got to think now that it, it, you you know you said you're you're going to try to go all these theaters all over the country. What's the next step? I mean, is it, do you think you're going to come up with a book or, or something similar like that? Or well, I've been doing lectures for the past few months, 
Um, I have another one in November. I'm actually going the weekend before my next lecture. I'm going to Lowe's Jersey and take like giving like a kind of a sort of tour type thing. I don't know. Uh, it hasn't been fully announced yet. And uh, there is talk um, of a book, but it's a little bit premature to talk about it right now. All right. Now, but sorry, I, go ahead. I, I was going to say I would love to do a nice coffee table book about it, though. That would be incredible. I would buy that. I love that kind of stuff. Especially like big full page, full bleed photos. That would be awesome. Exactly. Um, What was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So when, uh, again, to go back to the, the Lowe's jersey, because that's what I know. When I was there, I did a little bit of volunteering during the summer. And you were a garbage man. I was a garbage, I was a glorified garbage man, but uh, which is fine. And the guy had given me a tour, and I had been there. And obviously, they have the big stage. We see the movies. They have the organ that comes up from the floor, and and you know the the, the big lobby on the second floor of the lobby. And I thought, wow, this place is gigantic. And then he took me on the tour. And he took me into the basement and then a sub-basement. And I mean, I, I was like five basements deep. <laughs> and, there, and, and again, this was built in 1929. It had its own power generator. And then it had, you know, it had all these levels that I had no idea about. Is that similar for most of these theaters that you go to? And do you get to explore that much into each theater? Yeah, it's uh, very similar for the larger theaters. Um I kind of did the same thing at a one in Chicago. We did the whole tour and saw the basement and furnaces and, you know, the electrical grid and, you know, the pulleys that made the curtains uh, move in the stage size and like tons of stuff you wouldn't even think they would need. But, uh, you know, at the time, everything was big. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, like, so so when when you make all your phone calls and you get permission to go into the old theater... Um, do you explore that deep into the theater and take pictures, or are you just concerned with mainly the the main theater itself? Um, I, I do explore that deep, and if I find anything interesting, like 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 like, uh, like if there's um, like old posters or things like that, but a lot of times uh, these places, like the stage, will been really. And going down underneath, it's just pitch black and so you know, soot and rats. You know, rat, yeah, rats. <laughs> that's it's true. There's nothing you want, you want to really take a picture of, and you know what? I'm not really looking to show that on the site because I'm trying to raise awareness about left, and I want people to see the decorations at the core of the theaters, and not like, hey, look at all this dirt and all this, you know, like soot underneath. That's but uh, if I bought some interesting machinery, I definitely photograph it. And now, when you are given per- permission to go into the old theater, is it something like you know, hey, um, you know, you could come in at this time, and 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 you just go in and explore, or are you accompanied by someone? I, I have a uh, a friend that usually comes with me to most of these places, and but, I, I usually try to set a time. I usually do like nine to five. Like a normal work day. 
but do you get like free reign or or does someone from the organization have to be there and escort you around and watch I've you? Both, I've, had, I've had both happen. I had um, I had a one in Chicago where the the first time I went, I didn't, I hadn't gotten the insurance yet, and he was like, "Okay, well, I'm going to be with you, so it'll be okay." And I was like, you know, I, we, but I could only stay for an hour. So I went back out to Chicago and shot it again. This time I had insurance and I was like, okay, well, you know, figuring I'll have like, you know, at least five hours and you can, you know, just leave me here. He's like, oh, no, I'll, I'll stay. But yeah, you come ahead an hour. So I ended up shooting that place twice for an hour. How do you, how do you like these uh, places? Um, like I'll open a fire escape door if I can. If I can't, it's really just using a handheld LED uh, lantern and my flash and uh, some flashlights. Wow. wow. And I guess a long shutter speed? Yeah. yeah very, speed. I think the longest I've done is uh, like 16 minutes. Wow. Nice. Jeez. Obviously, you use a tripod. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you use a tripod and a, and a, a remote. Cool. Yeah, these shots are great. Uh, any one particular place that was your favorite, and any one or two particular places that you haven't gotten to yet that you were especially excited about? It's actually it's actually a combination. Uh, there's one theater in Chicago. It's the Uptown Theater. I've been in it. But I was not allowed to photograph it. It is my favorite theater that I've ever been in, just for the sheer like size and like it's 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 beautiful. And they are restoring it, so that's great. But I you know I wasn't allowed to take pictures. I don't know why I'm not letting anyone photograph it. But I managed that tour, and it was I'm glad I got to see it. But it, it's my. It's like, oh man, I wish I could have photographed it. And what is that called again? It's the Uptown Theater in Chicago. Uptown. Oh, I'll, I'll look that up. And any any that are on your list that you haven't gotten to yet that you're like, oh man, I can't wait to get to that one. Um, yeah, there's a few. Uh, there's a um, there's one in Kansas. That I, I really want to do. There's, um, I, I can't recall the name. I think it's like the Topeka Theater. Uh, and, you know, there's a couple in Detroit I've been meaning to get to. Cool. Now, is this your job? No, I'm a photographer. Oh, okay. <laughs> but this isn't my, my regular job, I wish. Is it something where you have this list, you know, you, you do the research, then you compile a list. Okay, I want to go here, I want to go here. And then it's like, you know, hey, whenever I get around to it, or or is this a, a much more serious hobby for you where you're actually, you know, scheduling uh, times to go to these places? Uh, I schedule times pretty much. Uh, it's, um, like I'm going to Detroit next month, so I have a couple planned out for there. And then sometime in the new year, I'm going to do a sort of southern up into the Midwest road trip and a couple around there, including the one in Kansas. Um, so I, I schedule the time to do it. I mean, call ahead and make sure I'm into all these places. 
Yeah. So, so you're, you know, you're, you're definitely, uh, um, a hundred percent behind this project. Yes. <laughs> Obviously. Uh, what else? Anything else you want to add, Matt? Or plug or add or talk about? Um, I'm doing a lecture at the observatory room in Brooklyn on November 15th. At, I think it's at 7.30 p.m. Uh, and it's through Atlas Obscura Speaks. So if you look at atlasobscura.com, eventually there will be ticket information if you if anyone is interested and what do you talk about on the lecture you you yeah, obviously you show pictures of the theaters it's it's sort of a it's been evolving because I, i've done it uh now this is, this is the third one and it's sort of a and i fear a lot, a lot of people don't know that there are banning theaters but also after they find that out, they don't know why they went. They are abandoned. So I, I go into history of the uh, movie palace, and then into the um, why they went, why they started to close down, and then a history of each theater that I should decide, I show a little bit on the architects that built them and the theater types. It's, it's kind of like a the general history of the like rise and fall yeah. of the American movie palace. That's excellent. When um, have you got, ever gone into one of these old abandoned theaters and you open the door and you go in and you're attacked by pigeons or something like that? Uh, not in the auditoriums, but uh, more often than not, there are lots of pigeons in the projection booth mm. because the um they're so they're so high up and the there's usually a uh, a door in leading. To the roof, like a ladder, and then a latch that leads, or a cover that leads out to the roof. And more often than not, those are just wide open. So there's just like pigeon poop all over the place and <laughs> birds. Cool. Well, uh, yeah. So I guess if um, if if you're going to be at the the uh, Lowe's Jersey, uh, you know, let us know, and we'll see if we can meet up with you there. Say hello. Yeah, yeah, that'll be great. I'll I'll let you know. Um, I think it's it's the tenth or the eleventh of November. Excellent. Well, Matt, thank you so much for coming on the Pawn Stevenson Show. And uh, your website again is afterthefinalcurtain.net. Everyone should go check it out. And we'll send you an email when this is up and we'll uh, you know we'll, we'll we'll put all the links in the the post on on pawnstevenson.com great well thanks a lot take care See you later right, bye bye so that was a good interview very very interesting <laughs> i'm sure the uh, the fans will will like that again it's one of these things where we just we kind of find these people out of the blue and <laughs> Ironically, they, they seem to seem to be local, which is always cool. Um, but I was going to mention there is this website that I've known for a while. It's called undercity.org. What is that? And basically, it's these people who I think they go all over the world, and they actually like I think illegally like go into like abandoned subways and like uh, sewer systems and take pictures and like you know. Spelunk, or was that that's spelunking, right? I guess in a cave. 
in the sewer. So the only reason I knew about this was because, you know, we're from Belleville, New Jersey, and the main city there is Newark. And um, there, there is a river that existed like 200 years ago, which is no longer like a visible river. It, it's now like a storm drain, basically. Dried up. No, it's not dried up. It's just, it's underground. It's under oh. the city. It's just a storm drain. And it was... Full of urine. No, it's, it's a storm drain. So they put it there in like, you know, the 1800s, like the late, mid-1800s. And these people have the only pictures of it. <laughs> so I was like... Holy cow, how the heck did they get in there? Because there's no, there's no access to it. Well, I'm looking at... Very scary. All right, so I went to undercity.org. I mm-hmm. clicked on browse photos and buy prints. And there's one that says Lost Rivers of London. Hello. And then I clicked on the first picture here, and it's it's like this little river in, in some kind of brick tunnel. Well, that's it, it's a sewer. But it looks like the intro to the video game Shadow Man where they're going through the tunnels <laughs> and then they fight. It's a terrible game. It is terrible, but it just, it looks exactly like that. Alright. Well, and I think it took, I think that scene took place in London, so. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and um, actually I these saw... Are, these are actually very nicely... Yeah, they're very good. It's not like some guy jumped into one no, of these sewers no. with a, a point and shoot. <laughs> and, I mean, these are very beautifully lit yeah. crystal clear photographs. Yeah. How, where's the Newark one? Um, Search. I, I think it's in their New York City, maybe. Wow. Uh, These are cool. They go in the search. Newark. Oh. So, so do people ever go? Like, do workers ever go under here, or it's just not it's really? Just yeah, they got one from Canal Street. Uh, I think it's this one, maybe just general. Uh, I know what's on here somewhere. Well, now I'm going to be looking at this all night. Well, is that that many pictures? Assorted, maybe. So oh, where where the, the is this the Uptown Theater that he was talking about? Oh yeah, that he didn't get permission to take. <laughs> they, oh, they did. went in and took pictures. Uh, I don't know synchronicity. Just, we were just talking to the guy. I don't know if this is it. it just says Uptown Theater. I don't know what what city it is. It could be Chicago. 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 Um, you know, I don't know. <laughs> well, all right. So it looks like they've been is. to New York City. London. London and maybe Chicago. And, and you're saying Newark. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Newark. We'll have to find it Newark. some other time here. Whatever. <laughs> hey, Greg. Do you know what it's time for? It's time for... Welcome to Lowe's Theaters. Grab a seat. What, Elmo? Sonny! Hey, what? This tux is ribbit. It looks like Bunstelheim. Yes. Elmo, watch the Oxford. Sonny! Ow! Ow! Use Elmo cookie. It's in the front row. I'm a shrimp. Use the exits when you go. 
Greetings. I have two. Whatever happened to Frankie Munez? He did a, you know, obviously it was Malcolm in the Middle, and he did a couple movies, and then what? It's vanished. He uh, he actually tried his hand at racing cars. <laughs> One of those guys, you know, with the, the long line of the Bruce Jenners and Tim Allens and Craig T. Nelson, and Jason Priestley, and Tom Cruise, Tom Crash Cruise. Yes, uh, many of them. Uh, obviously. <laughs> I would I would never put him in this list because he was actually pretty good. Was Paul Newman, yeah. the great Paul Newman, was right. a, actually a very good race car driver, and he was very old when he was doing it. <laughs> Burt Reynolds. No, he never drove. He owned some teams. He never drove cars. Oh. Oh. No. Um, yeah. So uh, Frankie Muniz, he uh, he was racing in the lower ranks of open wheel racing, IndyCar type racing. He was in the lower ranks there. He was in, uh, I think he was in the Atlantic series. Um, let's, I mean, look, there are there are very. I can't good, believe you know this because that's Frankie my thing. Muniz. Yeah, I know, I know, but still, Frankie Muniz. Well, he was in there, and um, he had a team, and I think he was actually pretty competitive. Now, I don't know if that was just because he had some money behind him and he was on a better team with better equipment, and that's why he was competitive. I don't really remember. But he did that for a couple of years, and he just kind of faded away because he got into this. I think we talked about this when he was, like, threatening to shoot the girlfriend or something. What? No. Oh, yeah. We didn't talk about it. in Arizona, and the girlfriend called the cops. Because he was threatening to shoot her or shoot himself, and I don't know what the heck was going on. So I don't know if he had some <laughs> drug issues or wow something. But his racing career basically ended, and yeah, he hasn't done much of anything in, in the in the in the area of um, of television or anything like that. Now, with all of these celebrities who who try to become race car drivers. Um, I'm surprised no one has started up a celebrity, uh, you know, auto racing league. <laughs> Actually, they have, well, they have a lot of the, um, I think I've said this before, but in, in uh, the Long Beach, Long Beach Grand Prix in California, um, which is in April every year, it's IndyCars, they have a pro celebrity race. Um, 
well, it's just mainly celebrities, but it's a couple of professional like drivers, but they race like Toyotas. Well, now it's Scions. They race it on the course, and they usually like crash each other and all. But um, they have some of those, you know, celebrity races here and there. They could get Nicolas Cage. Well, he may have done them in the past. I'm not sure. They could get, uh, but it, uh, it's a lot of different celebrities that have Louis done Anderson. Them. Oh God, no. Shatner did it. With George Lucas. Lucas. George Lucas did it a couple of times. He was terrible. He was absolutely. He's actually a big Formula One fan, but he was absolutely horrible <laughs> driving the car. Well, and my my other whatever happened to is someone who was popular, I guess, in the the late nineteen nineties, maybe from Baywatch, is whatever happened to Yasmin Bleeth. Well, it's another one with a drug problem. Oh, really? Yeah. She does what? She does Lifetime movies. She still does. I don't. Does she? I don't. No, she's she's been out for a long time because she she basically was like on you know crack or something. Wow, really? Yeah, it's like like Jody Sweeten. Yeah, Jody Sweeten. (laughs) Jody Sweeten was on a a lot. Yeah, she's on on the Crystal Meth. She's better now. Yeah, if she ever wants to come on the podcast, many many kids better now. Yes, we would interview Jody. Are you kidding me? Of course. Rob would screw it up and we'd never get it done, but... Tammy Aaron, oh, Jody Swinton. I have an idea. Uh, you know how all these competition shows like American Idol or Project Runway or... Or, um... What else is there? Uh, what are there? You know, uh, uh, America's Got Talent. Top Model. Yeah, America's Next Top Model. So all of these... These contests, like competition shows, the person will get up and sing, or the person will uh, sew an outfit, or model something, and it's like, you know, and 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 they do all this stuff, and then you get these judges like criticizing them, like that, you know, that's terrible, that looks like a garbage bag, your voice is awful, blah 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 blah, and I'm always sitting there at like you know watching the TV, like, well wait a minute. Who says this judge could do any better? Right? It's like the person had one day to sew an entire outfit from scratch, and there, and you know, this judge is bashing the person. Up. I would like to see the judge do that. So my idea, my idea for a comp, a new uh. competition show, is a show, a new style of competition shows is yeah. not only like you know, if it's a singing show, the contestant gets up there, sings the song. And then the judge has to get up there and sing the same song, and then we see who's better. Yeah, but wouldn't it, But that's idiotic. So if Randy Jackson is sitting there, yo, dog, that He's was not a stupid, singer. yo, dog. Oh yeah, well, guess what? You get up there and you do it, and I'm gonna criticize you. I understand that, but he's not or a Project singer. Runway, you know, Michael Kors. That looks stupid. That looks terrible. That Well, you know what? You have one day. You put together an outfit, and I'm going to judge you, and we'll see which one comes out better. Well, okay. Jerk. <laughs> Simon Cowell, David Haslam. These people not, can't do any better. Yeah, but let's face it. You know they're not criticizing on purpose. They're forced to do it for the well, drama. No, but don't you think that would be a great reality, a, a, a great competition show? Not really. Paul Abdul has to get up there and sing the song. Steven Tyler. Uh, They'd embarrass uh, themselves. It would be hilarious. Uh, well, what that you would do? get so many ratings. Simon Cowell grabbing a microphone and singing uh, 
you know, a Boston song or whatever. But that's not the point. The <laughs> that point, would be hilarious. The point that the the reason the rubes watch these shows is because it's other rubes. <laughs> like, hey, look, I can be, I could be the next American Idol. Look exactly. at me. Look, I can do it too. If this dingbat can do it, I guess. Um, speaking of dingbats, <laughs> the iPhone five. Oh boy, we haven't talked about this one yet. This Honestly, came out. I just don't even care. Well, I don't care about it either. But it came out. The maps were a disaster. Yeah. Um, apparently now there's a lot of issues with software bugs and different things, and you know. So also, of course, the uh, the the plant that makes them in China, they're on strike. Well, people killing themselves. It is, it's it's out of control. So yeah. all that aside, I'm not going to talk about the device at all. I'm, or there's lawsuit with Samsung and Google and nothing. Right. I want to talk about this 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 fake nonsense. Again, this is all concocted of the media showing up when these iPhones come out and interviewing these idiots on the street who supposedly sit there and wait a week to get the phone. Right. That's who I'm talking about because it's all fake. And I'm going to tell you why. Okay. It's very simple because these people have admitted it. The, all these people, you know, usually young kids who don't have a job or anything, and they sit there for like two or three days. And the reason they're able to do that is they're sponsored. They're Wait, sponsored by so, whatever. You so, know, some like so wait, local... hold on, hold on. So we have sponsored, obviously, TV shows and radio yes. shows. We have sponsored podcasts, sponsored yes. blogs. Now we have sponsored people waiting in line to wait for products yes. to come out? Yes. What That's the, what this is. What is wrong with these Because people? they know they're going to get on TV or, or they're going to get pictures taken of them, put in like a, a website or magazine or something, newspaper. And that's what it is. Because when you interview them, they keep saying, like, they have to talk about it. So, like, when you see these people, like some, like, you know, 20-year-old girl sit, sitting there and she's wearing a shirt, you know, with, like, some coffee shop's name on it in New York or something, you know, or like some Starbucks <laughs> right. shirt. And that's the reason. A so Coke bottle. So basically, yeah, so basically they're paid, you know, they're paid like chump change to sit there. But the, the thing is they have to wear the shirt and they get to keep the phone for free. Like whatever the sponsor pays for the phone. This reminds me of back in the, it was like the late 1990s where, like late 1990s, early 2000s. You know, the, remember the old video game company Acclaim yeah and they were really on their last leg and so they would come up with all these dumb publicity stunts and one of them was um, when the it was like whatever like Turok 2 or Turok 3 whatever the new Turok Dinosaur Hunter game was at the time they said whoever names your child like if, if your wife is pregnant and you're having a child and you name your child Turok <laughs> We'll give you a you know, million dollars. Oh, God. Another one they did was um, you had to get, like, the name Turok tattooed across your forehead, and we'll give you a million dollars. Another one was, like, something to do with a grave, a graveyard, you yeah. to dig up a body or something. I don't know. What? <laughs> it reminds me of that. It's really stupid publicity stunts. <laughs> um, here's something you know obviously the Paunch Stevenson show PaunchStevenson.com we are the ultimate pop culture podcast but 
as you and our listeners know, I, I also like to, uh, you know, both of us, we talk about things that go on in our lives and growing up in our childhood. So growing up, whenever I was sick, you know, uh, like after a while, if, if like I don't feel good, my mom would say, well, go, you know, grab the thermometer and see what your temperature is. And this was before digital thermometers, with the old mercury thermometer. Yeah. Now, obviously, growing up, we grew up with, you know, like you, you look outside, there's a thermometer, it tells you what the temperature is outside, it has the red line. Wherever the red line goes up to, that's the temperature, yeah. obviously. So, you know, my mom, you know, I'm like seven years old, 10 years old, 15 years old. I, I don't feel good. All right, go grab the thermometer. See what your temperature is. So I put it in my mouth for a couple of minutes. I take it out. Where's the red line? How could, oh, you know, you got to tilt it a certain way. You have to hold it up to the light. You're, you're looking at it from the wrong angle. So I'm like, what? I'm, I would always twist it and change the angle. I'm like, I just, I don't see a red line. Mm. Am I blind? Well, I'm not, you know, then my mom would grab it or someone would grab it and be like, oh, you're, you know, your temperature is fine. I'm like, what? How do you see that? I, I, I'm, I'm twisting it every possible way. I'm holding it this way. I'm holding. It. There's no red line. So every, you know, I'm 30 years old. I'm doing the thermometer. I'm like, where's the? I don't see the red line. How how are people telling their temperatures? Oh, well, you know, then somebody grabs. Oh yeah, your temperature. You know, you, you're 101. I'm like, what? How did you do that? Well, it's guess not what? That complicated. No, nobody ever. I, I found out recently. Nobody ever told me. The, 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 the mercury in the thermometer isn't red. It's silver. Yeah, no duh. Well, for 30 years, I'm trying to look for a red line like right, every other right. thermometer in existence in the universe. Nobody ever said, oh, by the way, Rob, you're not looking for a red line. You're looking for a silver line. Why don't they make it red like every other thermometer? Well, now it's digital. Well, now it's digital, but why? I don't know. And why did nobody ever tell me? I felt like a fool for 30 years. An idiot. Well, anyway, now I know if I ever come across an old mouth thermometer, uh, I'm not looking for a red line. I'm looking for a silver line. Mm. Idiots. What else? Uh, the, the only thing I was going to say was the um, finally... It, I don't know how long it's been, about five years now. The Led Zeppelin, they're finally releasing the concert uh, footage and, and audio and music from that, that reunion thing they did in 2007. Finally. Oh, really? Yeah. Seven, finally. Wait, 2007. Why, why did it take five years? I don't know. They're all cantankerous, but it's like, finally it's out there. Now, of course, they're not going to tour again because they're Robert Plant's a moron. But uh, so what, finally, it's coming out. It's yeah. actually they're showing, but it's coming out in 2012. Or yeah, 20 it's coming. Out, well, it's coming out. So I think actually, I think in a couple of weeks, it's going to be like one night only shown in theaters. I'm not going to go see it there, but wow, Led Zeppelin finally. I think it's called like Celebration Day or something, which is okay. also a name of one of their songs. <laughs> Interesting. Anything else? Uh, well, we got to wish a get well to, to Stan Lee. What? Stan Lee! Am I chic? 
90 years old, but he had a, a pacemaker put in. Recently. Oh, I'm Paceman. I'm Pacemaker Man. I outpace the evildoers. <laughs> that's a, what, is he doing okay or what? I think so. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a routine procedure, really. Even on an old guy like that, it's pretty kind of, it's kind of routine. Oh, he will be 90 years old in oh, December. Here he is. I thought in December. Oh, I don't know. Whatever. 90 years Stanley old. Stanley the man. <laughs> I invent... Well, wait. Who, who did he... Wait, who was his... How long has Marvel Comics been in existence? Like the 50s? No, it's the so early 60s. I think. Oh, 60s. So it was first, it was DC from like the, the, the 1910s. Well, no, there were other ones. You know, like, uh, I forget who made Archie Comics, but that was a different company. There was many different ones. So he was, he was there from the... From the... Inception, what, the, really, I think. Yeah. Just about... Oh, by the way, remember in, in uh, 203, we were talking to Bob Budiansky. Yes. And he was saying that, uh, you know, he, he worked with Stan Lee on a couple things. But we were, you know, the main thing is we were talking about the Transformers. And he said Jim Shooter, yeah. another guy who worked at Marvel Comics, was, uh, he came up with some of the stuff. Yeah. So, and then Esteban sent us a link. He posted a link to uh, Jim Shooter's blog <laughs> where he where he wrote about his experience with the Transformers. Yeah. And I read it. It was very interesting. And evidently, no, look, I, I'm not a Jim Shooter expert, but evidently Jim Shooter started out, you know, maybe in the 1960s at DC Comics, then moved over to Marvel in the early 70s from, from what I read. Um, and he actually worked with Stan Lee. Yes. So Stan Lee was working on a daily... Uh, Spider-Man comic strip. I guess that was in newspapers. And um, everyone that he got to work on this with him, he would like curse them out and say, this stinks, this is garbage. Stan Lee was? Yeah. What is it? This is garbage! Oh, Get out of terrible. here! So finally, he, he, he went through like 50 Marvel employees until he finally got to like Jim Shooter. He's like, all right, it's your turn to work with me. Um, but he, he actually thought Jim Shooter did a good job, but but he said, like, he always had to complain about something. Like, this this text bubble should be up against the border, not floating in the middle. He's like, well, but Stan Lee, you know, this is how we did it at DC. I don't care about DC Comics. We do everything the opposite of DC. If they do it this way, we do it that way. Oh. <laughs> I thought that was funny. He's always cranky. So Stanley's a jerk. He said Stanley was a nice guy. He just was very critical of uh, everything. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, I, it's hard to argue with his rationale. I mean, the guy, right? I mean, the guy was uh, hugely successful. I guess. I mean, nobody has proliferated as many <laughs> superheroes. Su superheroes as him. I invented the Fantastic Four, and oh. then I invented the Fantastic Five. Um, okay. You know how in the 1950s and 1960s, and even the like 1970s, but mainly in the 1950s and 1960s, pop music. Um, at the time, like, what was the average length of a pop song? Two and a half, three minutes. Yeah, so like, like you know, even, it, maybe less, maybe a little under two minutes to me, may, maybe three minutes, if it was long. 
And then in the 70s, I think it got a little longer, like three and a half, maybe four minutes, the, the average. Now it's like an average pop song is like almost five minutes. It's like four and a half, five minutes. It's like, what, what is going on here? It's too long. Pop songs go on, they, they just keep repeating. and re It's like, you know what? Two and a half minutes just ended. I don't need to hear the same words, the same verses and choruses repeated 15 times in a row. Just end it. Have you noticed that? Like how long songs are I, now? They just drone on and on. I don't listen to anything current. But when I do, why? They just drone on and on and on. It's like an album does not have to be an hour long. An album could, you know, it's a half hour. That's it. <clears throat> you know, back then with, with the pop music, I feel like the hit songs were, were so catchy and good because, you know, they're in, they're out, two minutes, and it's like, ooh, you know, I want to hear that again. It's like, it, it leaves me wanting more. Yeah. Whereas today, they beat the song to death with repetition so much that after like four, four and a half minutes, it's like, it's like, I don't ever want to hear this song again. It's like, it bored me to death. They should, you know, these songwriters and producers need to leave the listener wanting more. Make the listener want to put the song on again. You know, rewind it. Go back again. I want to hear that again. They just don't get it. All right, last thing. Hopefully you can explain this to me. But the New York Giants, the New York Jets football team, Right? Yes. Like, the New York Yankees, their stadium is in the Bronx, New York City. Yeah. Mets, Chase, or whatever, City Field now is in the Bronx, New York City. What? It's in Queens. In Queens, whatever. <laughs> what? I don't know, whatever. It's in New York City. Stupid. Uh, the New York Knicks, Madison Square Garden. Yeah. The New York Giants and the New York Jets, East Rutherford, New Jersey. Yeah. Why aren't they called the New Jersey Giants well, there, or the New Jersey There Giants? are people who would want them called that, but the reality is they've always... I mean, that was their origin was in New York. Yeah, but if the New York Knicks move to, uh, you know, Idaho, are they still going to be called the New York yeah, but Knicks? That's not, it's not the same thing. Right, I if mean, the new, right, if, if, New York is, you know, that's the major city. They don't want to be called New Jersey. If the New York Rangers move to Delaware... Are they still going to be called the New York Rangers? No, but I mean, you're talking a few miles. But it's New Jersey. I understand that, but it doesn't matter. All right, so then why did they move to New Jersey, and why? Why Why didn't they just stay in New York? Well, they wanted, and when they, they, they got, the Giants at least got a, a new stadium in New Jersey. And they weren't going to get one in New York City anymore. You know, they've been playing in Yankee Stadium where, you know, it wasn't, the views weren't very good, and, you know... Um, that was you Wait, know, so they played the football in a baseball stadium. Everybody did oh, wow. back then. I mean, mostly everybody. The what, Jets what, wait, played what about in Chase Stadium, the, like the the sand or the dirt or whatever it is. Well, if you would watch football now, the the Oakland Raiders are playing in the Coliseum out there with the A's still playing. So wow. when you you know when you get to certain parts of the field, it's dirt until the baseball season's over and they put grass in. Interesting. Now. Are the Giants and the Jets the only football teams that share a stadium? Right now, yeah. And why is that? Why didn't the Jets get their own stadium? 
well, they tried in New York. They, so uh, they tried to get one a few years ago in the city of New York, but it was going to be like a ridiculous. It was going to be like a billion dollars. It was going to be well. That's what the the new one in the Meadowlands cost. But it was fifty billion. It was going to be a ridiculous amount of money that where they were trying to build it, and there was a lot of businesses and local people. They didn't want it. They didn't want the city to spend the money on it, and it was it was Giuliani was trying to get it done. Like he got. He was able to get the city basically to pay to build the Yankees a stadium and the Mets. I mean, the Yankees stadium. I mean, they. they pay, I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous what they got the city to pay for to build that. Did, what, I mean, what, place. Why did they need a new stadium, Yankee Stadium? Wasn't they didn't the need one. one. No, they didn't need one. They did. They wanted one because they could make more money off of it. How? Because you get more luxury boxes. Ah. You know, you charge more for everything. I mean, Greed. Of course. Yes. That's the name of the game. And then what about this? Have you been following football this season? Yeah, I guess. What about this whole thing with like the fake referees? Oh, the replacement. Yeah, well, they got rid of them finally. They were all... They were... Look, the real referees are bad, bad enough, enough as it is. These fake ones were like... Well, because the problem is they couldn't... They couldn't hire Division One college football referees or Division One A or whatever that's called now. They, I mean, most of these guys were like high school and like small <laughs> college referees. It's the only way they could get them. How do I become a referee? You just like take a training course and then you do it. Let's do it. You I think they make a lot of money? It. No. An NFL referee? Well, the NFL referees do, but you're not just going to become an NFL referee overnight. You saw the, how bad these idiots were. No. I mean, they would throw a flag on the field, and then they would have to have a 10-minute conversation with each other about, well, why'd you throw the flag on the field? Well, I thought the guy was moving. Well, did it? I don't know. I didn't say And it's like, oh, my God. The games were dragging on for four hours. But now the real, the quote, real ones are back. The end. <laughs>